Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Raw, The Fight Within, a brand new podcast series hosted by me, Coogan Cassius. Over the course of the series, I'll be sitting down with some of the most high-profile figures from the world of boxing, including fighters, trainers and promoters, in order to dig a little deeper and understand their own personal stories. This podcast is about much more than simply what happens inside the ring. It's about the journey, the sacrifices, the agony, the ecstasy, the highs, the lows, the tears and the fears. It's about getting to know the person. Thank you for tuning in and I really hope you enjoy it. If you do, be sure to like, comment and subscribe. This podcast is suitable for over 18s only as it may contain adult content and explicit language. So on this week on Raw The Fight Within, I'm delighted to be joined by Mr Ben Davison who been interviewing for quite some time now but it's always the the kind of cliche questions that I'm asking you centered around your fighters or other fights in boxing etc so this is a little bit different are you ready for this or what try to be yeah mm-hmm because we don't ever really kind of get deep me in here do we is that where we're going well I don't know I'm going to try to okay we do at 2am sometimes to be yeah. fair yeah but um definitely not on the camera so we're going to try and yeah delve into Delve into Davison, shall we say. I'm going to start you in really easy now, just to, what is it, lure you into a full sense of security. Um, what were your first ever memories of boxing? Um, I remember having two sets of gloves, uh, white gloves with the American flag on, one set for me, like kids' gloves, one set for me and one set for my brother. Um, and I also remember a couple of boxfuls of... Um, Boxing news magazines, ring magazines and VHS tapes um, of fights and fighters that my dad was a fan of. So, um, yeah, but I've also seen videos of, as I'm learning to walk, my dad holding the pads and, and all the rest of it, you know, so. They were your earliest ever, yeah, That's memories. That's the earliest memories. That, that, to do anything yeah. with boxing, yeah. Do you remember the first fight you ever went to? I don't remember the first fight I ever went to. Um... No, I probably couldn't tell you that, to be honest. Do you know what? I'm thinking about the first one I went to, that, and that, I don't that, actually I, remember it. That would, be, that would be a struggle, I think, for a lot of people. When you, go, you, do, you do it for a job, you go to that many, it's hard to actually think. I'm questioning my own question now, because I don't actually remember. I, I'd say I was in my kind of 
like 15, 16, but I don't remember actually which fight it was. Yeah. I used to go to the Brentwood Centre a lot to watch fights there. I don't remember the first one. No. Oh. I've, I've like failed at my own question because I couldn't even answer that myself. Well, I'd be impressed if someone could answer it, I suppose. Do you remember, do you remember in, like, one that sticks out that you went to when you were uh, younger? Mm, no, not really, to be honest. I wouldn't really have gone to many professional shows, amateur shows. Um, what does stick out, there's a couple, I remember watching Mike Tyson versus Lennox Lewis. And I remember the, the graphics of Tyson Lewis. The, I think it was white writing up to, and the last two letters of each name was in, in red writing, I think. I can remember that. Was it It's On that was I, in the I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, okay, all right, okay. We can, we can move on from that one. What was the first fighter that made you kind of start watching boxing and what was it about him? There must have been someone. Everyone's got one fighter that kind of always said the same thing for me. It was always Nassim Hamid that got mm. me into, into boxing. But for yourself, who was that? My first introduction, I was introduced to boxing through my dad. So those VHS tapes, he had a lot of tapes of Mike Tyson. Uh, he was a big Nigel Ben fan as well. Um, so it was probably watching those those guys that was my first, and they was both explosive, obviously, and that was probably my first. Woof, that yeah. got me into it. Yeah, I think Tyson kind of relates to a lot of people, kind of not even of that hour sort of age, and I'm a lot older than you, but of a certain generation, he was the first person that come on where you kind of said, "This is like an iconic boxer that's going to be kind of." imprinted in everyone's memory for, for years and years. He still is today, still spoken about today. So. Yeah, for sure. I, I always say this. Like, it, If I could sit down and have a conversation with one person, if he's in the right frame of mind, because I think sometimes you can catch him on different days and he'd be a completely different character, but if you can catch him on the right day, I would love to sit down and have a conversation with Mike Tyson. It fascinates me. Personality aside of the fighter. Yeah. Very, very wise. I think you're right, though. You've got to uh, catch him on the right day because sure. you don't want to be tapping him when he's on a plane. No, <laughs> no. And annoying him at that stage. But, yeah, I think to sit down and kind of had, like, if someone said to you, like, you can speak to him for, like, half hour, ask him what you want. That would be my number one, yeah. Yeah. We'll see if we can make it happen, you know, once he's appeared on this podcast. Have you ever thought about if you weren't in the business of boxing, what you'd be doing? And I'm going to eliminate your kind of main role in life as a, as a personal trainer. Just take that element out as well. Um, that was a joke, by the way. Uh, what would I be doing? I don't really know. I don't really know, to be honest. Um, from not... Like, is there a field that you, you might have gone into at some point that's away from even sport? Do you ever think about that? Probably not, no. The only job I ever did outside of boxing was a bit of scaffolding. Is that something you could have ventured into? Nah. Were you not good at it? Uh, I suppose I was a good labourer because I was very competitive. and th- th- I was a young kid doing it, 14, 15, and they'd tell me, so-and-so can carry X about the tube, and so then I'd want to beat that. Um, but no, all I ever done was, was sport, really. It's interesting, because I, <coughs> I ask a lot of people this, 
and they struggle where they've been in the, the sport for that long to really think of a life outside of even boxing or, or whatever. But I think, like when I spoke to Darren, uh, was it Darren Parker said something along them lines of kind of like a manual labour job, but that's because he's done something similar in his life, obviously prior to doing what he's doing. But I think a lot of people do struggle to answer that question because it's almost like oh, that's all you know to a certain degree. Yeah, I think um, for fighters themselves, they've grown up doing it. It's all they've ever known. It's all they've ever done. For coaches, some of them are ex-fighters. Some of them aren't. Um, the ones that aren't, I suppose, get into coaching probably at a later date than what I did. I got into it very young. So I didn't really ever know anything else other than sport, and, and that's what I've always devoted myself to. Let me try and answer, ask you this a, a different way then. If I told you, like, as of tomorrow, you can't be in sport anymore, but what would you go and do? Um, difficult, isn't it? Very difficult. Like, I... I I'm not very good at anything else, if I'm honest. Um, I, I, uh... I don't know what you're good at, but I, I wouldn't really necessarily agree with what you said. I think with someone like you, I think if you put yourself in any kind of situation, I think you will figure out a way of making it work for yourself. Yeah, so when I was in school, I wasn't, I wasn't like, I'm terrible at school. I was okay, but... I've always struggled to apply myself to something that I wasn't interested in. So I come across a teacher, Mr. Norton his name was, and um, I wasn't considered the smartest, most academic lad in school, but one day I was walking past his classroom and he called me in and he said to the rest of the classroom, this lad is the most intelligent or something along those lines, lad that I've ever whatever he applied, applies himself to in life, he will do well at. And I remember that standing out for me um, at that moment because I was never looked at like that. I was always looked at as, uh, as a cheeky lad, like funny and that, but probably takes it too far too often, gets himself in trouble. Um, not major trouble, but um, just a bit of a cheeky, cheeky chap. And... I remember that standing out for me and there was another moment where I, I come across somebody else who said the same thing a few years later when I was a little bit older, um, who said that no matter what you apply yourself to, you'll, you'll do well. So, and I suppose I do, I, I have that, I have that belief, I do believe that in myself and whether it's true or not, I think that that's something that you have to have, that you have a, you know, unbelievable self-belief that you're destined to do something. Yeah, even if it doesn't work out, you apply yourself and you chuck yourself in it as much as you can and then whatever happens after that. I'm not saying you've done this in boxing, but obviously certain aspects of your experience in boxing is obviously growing each day, but there was the early part of your, um, your kind of career as a trainer where I'm not saying you were learning on the job because... I'm For sure I was. But yeah. All right, I wasn't going to say that, yeah. but you know what I mean. For sure, and I, I think we always say, everybody always says, 
you learn every day and all the rest of it, but a lot of people don't. But I, 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 I do. I do. I, I employed someone like Lee Wiley to bounce ideas off, to ask questions, to question my work, because it's so easy for people to get stuck in their own ways. And I always feel like I get caught, I get um, associated with having an ego. I think to people that don't know me, I don't know if I come across a certain way on the camera, I don't know. But I think how many other coaches have someone that they bounce ideas off or get them to, to question their work or would employ somebody else to, to have the same role as I do with Lee? Not many because, because of an ego. So I think that the fact that I question my own work all the time, uh, go over, double check it, triple check it, bounce ideas off of somebody else, ask opinions of other people, I think that, that says a lot, I think, in my opinion. It's a funny word, ego. I do think about that word quite a lot in terms of like the perception of it and what it actually means, because I always think that everyone has an ego. Like everyone. Mm. It's just some of it's controlled and some of it's out of control, if that makes sense. But I think having an ego, I'm talking as a male here, and this isn't like kind of any kind of sexist comment, I'm just talking as, as, a, as men. I think, yeah, I think everyone has a certain type of ego, it's whether how in check it is, if that makes sense. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt, you have to, like... For me, I want to win as a coach. The fighter wants to win. An element of that is ego. Um, but again, even in the ring, talking about ego has just flashed to my mind. Every fighter has to have an ego, you have to. But, again, talking about it, it just come to my mind because of how you explained it there about being in control of it. There might be a moment that you lose a moment in the ring, in a round. You lose a moment. Someone lands a good shot or you have a bad round. You have to be able to control that ego to not take silly risks in a certain moment that's the wrong time to do something that could cause you to get clipped or have an even worse moment. So it's definitely something that you have to have control of. But, yeah, that everybody... But, but, but that, that analogy you're using for boxing is actually a mirror for life as well, isn't it? Yeah, About for sure. certain moments in life, about making the, the right decisions and not being hasty and not Rash letting your, of your, your ego. ego get in the way of certain things because um, if your ego's in control, then you have a, a wider scope of actually making a, a, a better judgment on things. Definitely. I like that, Ben. Um, so outside of the ring, obviously, we know you're not a professional fighter, but you're involved in the sport. But do you remember, like, growing up, the first ever kind of argument or fight you ever did as a kid or whenever? Do you, does something stick out for you? As I remember those white American gloves that my brother used to get to chuck on me and, me and whoever he could find to, to get us to have a scrap. I remember that. Um... But anything in your kind of just day-to-day -day life, like, there must have been some altercation or yeah. what, anything stick out for you as, um, from your childhood? I remember very early on uh, an older lad, one of my brother's friends tied me to a tree um, and they left uh, quite far and then come back untied me and that was the first time not the first time but a, a vivid memory, I was probably very young there that um, How did you react to that? Uh I ran over to him and hit him, and, uh, but he was quite a bit older at the time. I think he was shocked. 
Um, and lots of fights along the way as you're younger growing up, which is part of learning. Again, part of ego. Um, I think that going from primary school to secondary school, I think go, going into secondary school, I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder to say that I, I was looking for an altercation very early on at the start of secondary school to sort of probably make a name for myself, to be honest. Um, Yeah. See, I went to a really small school, and that, like, my school was tiny. Anyone that knows uh, St John's in, in Billericay will know exactly how small that school is. But, like, that's like a bit of a weird mentality. That's like a, almost like a prison mentality is when, you know, when they, like, again, touch wood not having been to prison, but when you see people go in there, I see this in films. I'm talking like I, like I know this from whatever, but I'm talking about the perception as you go there and kind of... He's right, I'm not going to let anyone. So almost like, who's the biggest, right? Let me chin him. And then everyone will leave you alone. That sounded like what you were saying. It was a big school. I think it was relatively big school that I went to. Um, good school, nice school. Uh, I thought I hated school at the time. Looking back, I, I enjoyed it with your friends every day. But there was lots of, lots of local primary schools that, that was going into this one school, that would go into this one school. So, yeah, probably an element of insecurity. Um, but that's probably what it was. I thought, I'm going to... You felt like you was in a situation there where, or a potential situation where you just wanted to, almost nip tank in the buds if you make... Before it even started. Before it even started, yeah. But looking for it. And when you look back on that now, how does that theory work for you now? Not, not work for you now, but how do you look at that theory now of, of being in a situation where you, you felt like you had to do that? What do you mean? Like, would you advise someone to do the same? Um, I don't really know. I think you can only act as you see. Very early on, I got a lot of respect because of being like that early on in school and it alleviated but in no way was I a bully I would I would make sure that I developed a, a certain level of respect and with that certain element of respect I would make sure that kids weren't bullied and if people were bullying that it wasn't going to carry on and, and things like that did you get bullied yourself uh probably by my my older brother to a degree, and his friends, that they was in their last year of school as I started. Every time I saw them, they'd run over and beat the shit out of me. But then it got to a point where I had to say, I need to do something about it. And I remember a moment there where it was the first time that um, I sort of retaliated, and I think it was a shock mm. for him. I was, all, I was big as a kid as well. You're not small now, but... No, but I was probably about... I, I was. I was about 75 kilos at about 12, 12 years old. I was fat as well. I'd love to see a picture. <laughs> I'd love to put a picture into this podcast somewhere. If you could supply us with one. I'll try and find one. Thank you. Um, OK, look, well, this question, again, this is, we need to think a little bit outside of the, the box with some of these questions as well that I'm going to ask you, but... 
do you remember a point in your life where you were you felt like you were fighting a losing battle? Does that question make sense? So whatever you did, as much as whatever point in your life, whatever was going on, it was still a losing battle. However much you were fighting for that, whatever that was. No, if I'm honest. I do think I have probably an unrealistic sense of belief. Uh, saying that, there's been moments where you doubt things and that, but I, I, I probably wouldn't sum up situations like that, so I'd probably say no to that question. Is that because you've trained yourself to think like that? I don't know, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. So what was the question again? So the question was, tell me about a time you felt like you were fight, fighting a losing battle. Fighting a losing battle. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. Nothing's been to mind. What are the everyday battles of your life away from boxing? When you get up in the morning, what are they? Everyday battles. I'm a very positive person. Very positive. Everyone has battles. It doesn't matter how positive you are. There are things. I'm thinking about right now. So I suppose right now, I wouldn't say that there's anything that... Any battles that I'm struggling like, I'm very happy, very content. What I'm never content with is the work that's being put in here. Um, but outside of that, I would say I'm, I'm very content. I think that along the way, there's been battles. I've suffered with depression. Um, more so at a certain time in my life, but now, I wouldn't say there's any certain battles that I, I go through right now. So aside from boxing and your kind of your life outside boxing, is you're saying that everything currently is where you'd ever want it to be? Yeah, I've just I've just had a baby daughter, like, and my wife is unbelievable. Um, her mum's helping out a lot. Both our families helping out a lot, but her mum's pretty much staying with us. Um, so yeah, at the moment, I would say everything's. Okay, what? All right. Talk to me about a time where you felt like you had to fight back tears. Um, probably not fight back tears, probably in tears. Went for a time. I went through probably 2000 and it was probably the end of 2016, I think. Towards, middle towards the end of 2016. 
A couple of significant moments and changes. My parents splitting up had a big effect on me as well, but a lot of effect on, and it was very messy at times. Um, my brother took it terribly. Um, and lots of things happened there. And then around mid-2016, probably, I started... Um, I was suffering from depression. And at the time, I remember thinking, why? I just I can remember that, always thinking, why? Why me? Why am I having to go through this? Um, I just always remember thinking that. And then when I started working with Tyson, I knew that was why, which sounds crazy, but I knew that was why. Because I, I, developed, a, I developed during that period, I developed the capability to read someone very, very well. And I could tell when he was walking down the stairs what type of mood he was in. So all that time I remember thinking, why, why me? Why am I suffering with this? Why, why am I feeling like this? And I couldn't work it out. I had some other, thing, other things going on. And I remember always thinking, why, why, why? And then probably in the midst of it all, probably during doing some interviews and people asking, you know, how are you able to, how have you been able to do this? I think I was 24 at the time, a 24 year old. How are you able to, um, do do what you've done with and help him and etc etc. People have these associations as every people that do that are the Mickeys of the world, Rocky, out of Rocky and seventy years old, eight years old with a towel over their shoulder. But probably in the midst of doing interviews was probably when I realised, you know what, that was why. Because I've developed that capabilities and able to help him in that moment and other fighters. I know for a fact there's a lot of fighters that suffer with depression. And even sometimes I won't have the direct conversation with them, but I can tell what frame of mind they're in because I developed a, a capability to read people. And I know, and sometimes I won't even say anything, but I know to keep an eye on it um, and to try and guide them in a way. Some people you can have a direct conversation with, but other people you can't. And I feel like um, I suppose that's an everyday battle. Sometimes I still will, will suffer with that, or sometimes I will struggle with. People will tell me. So at the at that time, I, I went and saw a. Um, am I spending too much time on one question? No, crack on. I went and saw a psychologist. I think she was to talk about it. So I seeked help, basically. And she was fantastic in some ways, but in other ways, what she kept telling me was, you need to be present, you need to be present, you need to be present. And I thought, for as long as I can remember, I had big dreams, big aspirations, in, as we were saying earlier, and whatever it is that I was doing, I always aimed to be the best. Um... And I remember having a conversation with her and saying, it is not possible, 
and I might be wrong here, but for me, I feel like this. And if anybody knows anything different, I would love to be able to fix this. But she was always saying to me, you need to be in the moment. And I remember saying, I am not capable to fulfill my potential in what it is that I choose to do and be present, as you're, as you're saying. And all I kept hearing back was, of course you can, of course, and you need to be present, you need to be present, you need to be present. And my argument was forever, um, it's not possible. It's not possible to be present as some other people are while still maximising my potential and what it is that I do. Since then, listening to podcasts, other people talking, yeah, I've found that that's a common feature amongst high achievers is struggling to be present. Um, when I watch podcasts and things like that of, of these other coaches, athletes or successful business people, it's a common feature that comes up is a struggle to be present. Where do you think your fight spirit comes from? You spoke about earlier about you from earlier on in your life being competitive, wanting to win, having that kind of mentality. Where does that kind of fighting spirit come from? I think that that probably comes from my dad, but at the same time, I think that the company that you keep, the people that you're around, um, friends, other people that you're, you're training with, when they're competitive as well, I think it just grows and flourishes. And it's a great, I believe it's a great atmosphere to have a competitive atmosphere because competition makes you rise. Earlier on you were talking about, or I was talking about to you about battles in your life. But do you ever, or have you ever felt like you were having to fight your demons? If so, what are those demons that you've had to fight in your life? You've spoken about depression. Um, but what other demons would you say, if you had them, that have either happened in your life or have been, you've gone through in your life? So I met a girl when I was younger, she was a fair bit older than me, um, and she suffered from depression. I've always had this, a nature, to, uh, a sense of responsibility, and I felt like I was responsible to try and help this person in their situation, which to be honest with you is, I believe, how I ended up having depression. Um, because I sacrificed other things in my life to try and help this person. And this isn't a negative about that person, I'm just, it's my fault, it's the, the, the way that I am. Um, and it ended up being a very, very rough period that affected not only me, but other people around me. Um, relationships that I had after that, it affected, um, which then, again, 
made my sense of responsibility grow even more. So now I'm trying to balance things. And I suppose that was a moment that I felt like I was fighting a losing battle because I was trying to help one person, but at the same time as helping that person, it was negatively impacting this person. And that, that, that was a time where I felt like I was fighting a losing battle because um, I, I couldn't see a way out at the time. And it might sound stupid, people might think, well, you know, just step back. Obviously, there's feelings involved and all the rest of it. It wasn't, it wasn't a simple time. And when, um, when I did remove myself from um, one of the situations, it had a severe impact, a devastating impact that... Um, Yeah, probably had, uh, again, I felt a sense of responsibility for. And even now, sometimes I think, have I put right some of the wrongs that I feel like I made in that, some of the wrong decisions or things that I did in that moment, all with a good heart and all with the right intention. But... Um, like I say, had some had a had a definitely impacted and changed people's lives as well. What what do you think still today that people in boxing still struggle to talk about their depression? Like if we take like Tyson Fury aside, who's been mm. the most well known advocator of of mental health and depression out of anyone in boxing over the last however many years, probably ever, to be fair. But why do you think it's still a struggle? Do you think it, it, do you think it uh, perceives um, a view of being weak? Yeah. That's still a perception? Yeah, I think so. I think that most people in boxing have boxed and been in and around that environment and have competitive nature, a sense of ego. And I think I love when I look back and think, I don't think you can be a great coach and have that same, you have to have a competitive nature, but not in the same manner as you did. And you can't have the same ego. And I look back and think, I miss having, being that, that person having that same, don't want you to beat me tying my shoelaces up, don't want you to beat me getting up the stairs or down the stairs or in everything. But at the same time, maturing to become a better coach, changing, I feel, in the way that, in the way that I feel like you need to, to become a better coach. Um, you have to let that go and some people are not probably quite there yet I think that I'm very confident and comfortable within myself which I think is something that pisses people off but that's why I'm able and open to speak about things that I'm happy to, to, to talk about these things but I think other people probably aren't there yet I think that especially for fighters they're still in the in the the peak of their competitive nature and 
ego and, and these kind of things. So, and it's not something that's, that's, that's really discussed when you're younger, is it? It's not something that you're taught to discuss or taught to understand. I remember when I first started suffering with it, I had no idea what was going on. I was thinking to myself, well, I can't work out why I'm feeling like this. But it hasn't always got to be a one specific reason. Um, I'm not a, an expert on the on the situation, but um, I think that that's probably a big part of it. Is is ego, as we was talking about earlier, um, and a certain element, probably maturity as well. Yeah, I mean, not everything was labelled years ago, was it? I mm. think the fact that people do talk about these kind of issues more so now. But it's still, when we look at kind of the sport that we're involved with, um, and I would say nine out of ten boxers have suffered with depression. I think that's, that's I'm making that stat up, but I don't think that's, that's... What, what, say that again, what did you I think? I think nine out of ten boxers. Yeah. Or, eight, nine, yeah, nine out of ten boxers have suffered with depression at some point in their life. But I do think this, I think that... And they might have not even known it. I think that you have to have the right mindset towards it. I think that you have to have the mindset that 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 mentality or that something's not right that that can be a, or something that you're not happy with like I said for me at the time I couldn't put my finger on and sometimes it's not to do with sometimes something that you have no control over but some things it is what you you have control over and I think that it can also be a massive motivator Sometimes you have to get over the first hurdle. Sometimes you have to get over the second hurdle. Build a little bit of momentum. And then that can be, that momentum that you initially build can be the, the, the fire and the engine behind you pushing on to achieving what, what you want to achieve. Um, I think that that's key as well because obviously having worked with Tyson, a lot of people message me and say, what, what, what's your advice? And, I think it's very easy for people to get stuck in a rut. But I think that you, you have to find a way to use it as motivation as well. Are there any causes you believe in? As in things that go around the world? Is there anything that kind of you feel strongly about? Some people feel strongly about... It, it could be anything, like things that happen in the world. Is there anything that's close to your heart? or close to you that you particularly feel? We talked about mental health, a lot of people, that affects a lot of people, so they kind of, that's, whether they're affected by it or someone else they know is affected by it, that they feel strongly about that. But are there anything that goes on in the world that, like causes that happen in the world that you feel strongly about? Nothing that springs to mind. Nothing that springs to mind that you, with you saying that. Um, I try to keep my business my business and keep my nose out of other people's business, to be honest. Um, if it doesn't affect me, I, I, I try not to... I, I'm a big advocate on that. Like, if you don't know something, like, don't push it. Don't have too much to say on it. I think that's, that's a big issue as well. But it's a different day and age now, isn't it? Where, obviously, social media's played a huge part in people having to 
or feeling like they need to voice their opinion on everything, not just stuff that they're interested in, but just things in general. Just it gives you the right to talk about whatever you want, apparently. But Unfortunately, yeah, and um, but they're not happy people. Do you know what I mean? There's a couple of people on Twitter that honestly, they they try to hammer me. They hammer me. I'm not going to name any names or anything, but if I put a story on Instagram, I must have blocked. Fourth, they must be setting up constant pages, blocks four or five of them. They're the first ones to view it. What they are is secretly is fans. That's the reality of it. That this person must be on their mind that 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 much. That's not hate. Love and hate's probably a fine line, but um, it's uh, it's a strange uh, attitude to have to me anyway. But they're clearly not happy for, for all of these. Even some of these successful people that have got uh, constantly digging out other people and got things to say, you know, they, they've got their own issues that they're dealing with to, to have to do, feel like they have to do that. Is it more difficult to fight physically, as in your actions, or is it to fight mentally? What's more difficult in your mind? I would say it's more difficult to fight mentally. I think that if you know how to fight, to jump in here and, and fight with someone without too much meaning behind it in terms of a career you're fighting uh, on a big stage for, you know, that can change your life, to just get in there and have a fight for a lot of people in and around the sport that we're around, it's not a big issue. It's not, you know, that's not the problem. I think that, the harder part is is what comes about mentally when your career's on the line, when when you know everything you've worked for is is. So I often find this right. You know, people talk about the underdog mentality. Yeah. I feel like a lot of fighters prefer to be the underdog. And I've worked with some fighters that have been in this situation where when they are the favourite, the pressure is completely different and they don't like it. And they do not perform the same. They do not like being, being the heavy favourite. And I've come across that lots and lots and lots of times with a lot of different fighters. I feel like that is because it brings a different battle up there, different type of pressure. But when you're the underdog, to get in there and have a fight, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It's not a big deal. It's not an issue. But is that because they're taking pressure off themselves? For sure. But that pressure brings a battle up here yeah. that makes the actual fighting a lot harder. Because they can do that, the fighting's not an issue. Like I say, jumping here, not a problem. But to add a battle up here becomes a different ball game. How, how would you reverse that into everyday life then, people with that mentality? Because it's a different mentality then, isn't it? Outside of kind of a boxing situation. You wouldn't ever have that attitude in day-to-day -day life because your life would be completely different, wouldn't it? Mm, in day-to-day -day life, I just think... Again, so... Doubt doubting yourself. I, I'm sitting here and I say I'm very confident in myself. And I am. 
But I will doubt myself. I will doubt the work that I've done. I will question, have I done a good enough job? Have I studied the opponent enough? Have I made sure, done the best of my ability in this? That doubt will cause me to make the right decisions. I'll go back and study a bit more. I'll watch the opponent again. I'll speak to the fighter again to confirm that we understand. I'll make sure that everything's done that needs to be done. But I think it's, and I did used to do this when I was younger with certain things that I didn't understand. It's very easy for people to start burying their head in the sand in situations that they can't fully understand. I think, again, talking about depression, fighting mentally and things like that, when you're fighting a battle that you don't actually know who the opponent is, what am I fighting, why am I feeling like this, I can't explain it, that is a ten times harder battle than to know what's in front of you. Do you know when some people, like you go for, someone goes for a job, yeah, applies for a job and there's like ten people, so you go into that job, when you come out of that job, how, how would you train yourself to think? Would you train yourself to think, no, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. Forget about it. Or would you train yourself to think, walk away from there and think, no, I've got that in the bag? No, I would have the first. But you didn't get it? Mm. See, again, that's different, isn't it? That doesn't mean you're being pessimistic. It just means that you've all, it's almost like anything's a bonus now because if you train your, train your mind to think that, that you haven't got it anyway then how can you be disappointed mm. when you don't get it? I don't know. I don't know. I suppose different circumstances, I'd probably have a different response, I think. You fight for your, your family. You've got a new child now, so you'd fight for your child, etc. and your closest people around you. But who's kind of... Who fights for you in your life outside of, not about any kind of boxing situations, I'm talking about in everyday life, who's like behind you, who, who can you count on at 6am or at 6pm? My wife, uh, I know that I will be extremely hard to deal with. Um, I know that sometimes... Very understanding, very understanding. I'm, I'm here all day, I'll go back, I'll probably watch some boxing some more. Very understanding. Um, she lets me do, and without her, I would say, I wouldn't be able to maximise my potential because there would be other responsibilities that will affect me being able to do what I need to do to maximise my potential. Um, which is a, a, a battle that you constantly have because, funny enough, Tom Stalker said this to me the other day. I get on really, really well with Tom, known him for a long time, and um, we had two fighters against each other the other day, Shabazz and, and Jack. And after the fight, he said to he, we was talking to him saying about congratulations with the baby and that. He said, but you've got to make a decision now. Do you want to be the best dad in the world or do you want to be the best trainer in the world? 
And I thought that's the battle. That is probably the battle that, that I have because oh, I remember one of the first. What a horrible statement, but a true statement. Very true. And I remember you, yeah. even when even when I was younger and boxing and playing football and and myself and and the athlete myself, I remember I would watch the way that Mike Tyson used to speak about Custy Amato, and I always that always stood out for me, that always had a, an impact on me. And I always thought to myself, I would want someone to talk about me as having an impact like that, about me. Um, and to help these fighters. And a big part of, is, uh, is, is maximising their, I'm saying maximise my potential, but maximising my potential is to be able to maximise their potential. That is my ultimate goal. But that is a battle that you're having. Do I maximise, focus on maximising these fighters' potential? Do I maximise on being the best dad? And you try to be the best that you can be. I was sat there the other day and my grandmother was sat there trying to talk to me and I was watching boxing. And I genuinely, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I cannot have communication at the same time as I'm trying to study a fight. I can't do that. And it's wrong. I wish it wasn't the case, but I know that's the case. And people say to me, you're rude, you're this, you're that. And I know that. I'm fully aware of it. But it's not something that I can control. And it goes back to what I was saying about when I went and saw the psychologist and she was saying, you need to be present. I can't, I'll watch a little bit of this, I'll turn it off. Yeah, what, what were you saying there, Grandma? What was that? What was this? What was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I won't watch the rest of that. I'll sit down and have a chat. I'm missing out. I'm losing out. I'm not. It's a tough battle to have. I suppose in, in these situations that you're talking about, even though what Tom Stalker said, um, it's about balance, isn't it? It is balance, it's exactly it's, that. It's the finding that and, and the way between that... not affecting you as a dad and also not affecting you as in your trainer career. And for a long, long time, I've had a lot of people tell me in the past that it's like you're not even here and it's been a problem in relationships that I've had previously as well. And the way, I'm not saying this is right, but the way that I always almost made it okay in my own mind was, yeah, but I can give you this. Yeah, but I can do that. Yeah, but you haven't got to go to work. Yeah, but you haven't got to do this. And I felt like, yeah, but I'm doing this for, for to be able to have this life, for you to be able to... Well, that's one of two things. That's either you truly believe that, that I go out and I'll do this and I'll do this to better our life, for our family, etc. Or you use that as an excuse to yourself to why you're doing it. It's a bit of both, I think. Yeah, probably. It's a bit of both, because yeah. I know that if I won the lottery... If I won 200 million... You'd still be doing what you're doing. I'd still be here. Yeah. Um, I think that says a lot. And I think the lads here know that. Mm. And that means a lot to me as well, that they don't... They know this isn't... I don't do this because of money or for money. You might be on a yacht for a couple of weeks and then straight back to it. Yeah, like, this This is what I, I love. I love to do this. I love it. Right, final one. Answer... As uh, open as you want or not. 
what drives that fight within you? What is it that pushes you um, inside you? What drives that fight within you? So we were talking earlier about ego um, and doubt. I think that I, and, and the competitive nature, I think that I've definitely been able to tame that and control that, which is something that, that we spoke about. I like to think so anyway. But I still have and always have had a burning desire to be the best at whatever it is that, that I do or the best that I can be. And I, I always approach things as though the athletes that I'm working with have the same mentality and the same aspirations and the same mindset. So I have this, I have that, a, a burning desire to fulfil that with them. I know how I felt when I was playing football, when I was boxing. I wanted... Like, how I felt in that moment in time, I, I want people to feel like when they're done, they can say, I fulfilled my potential. I max and, and that is... That is everything to me. I think that if I could sum up the goal is to maximise your potential. Maximising your potential. Whatever level that means that you get to, if you're someone that has maximised your potential, I have full respect for you, and that is the ultimate goal to me, I would say. That's what pushes you. That's what pushes me, and, and, and I know these athletes, when, I, when I'm coaching them and when I talk to them and, and when they come down... I know that to them, it's, it's like they're, they're, they're seeing a new... They're looking at boxing in a completely different way. And I know that it opens their eyes to what they can achieve, what they're able to do. And so um, I do, I, I get the hump with when people aren't doing all the things that I feel like they can do. Like I probably am hard on them. It's not enough to come in and watch and people talk about studying. Watching a fight in the background while being on your phone, that's not studying a fight. Watch the same round. Watch it four or five times. Make some notes on it. What did you see? Come and ask me some questions on this is what I saw, can you have a look? What do you think? It's an all it's an all it's a it's a like to really maximize it's an all day thing. But it, it frustrates me that fighters they go into the gym and they probably all think that they don't do this but a lot of people do they come into the gym they train they go home sit about do a bit of this do a bit of that come back in train go home might flick a flop put a fight on but they're having a chat in between that's not maximizing your potential no way these lads will often say to me pat luke and the boys are like do you do like do you not get sick of it i don't because i love it and it, uh, i'm motivated through a number of different... I'm motivated because myself, I want to be the best coach I could possibly be and maximise my potential. But I also want to help you maximise your potential. That's a burning desire for me as well. So I'm motivated from both ways. Whether that's the same for everybody, I don't know. It might be, but... Um, I feel like that is a big part of the fuel to, to my fire. OK. Well, Ben Davison... I much appreciate your time and your busy schedule. Um, yeah, I find it quite insightful because I have 
like I said, I've known you for a few years. We've obviously speak interviewed, but I've actually learned stuff about you that I didn't know myself, and I know you relatively well. So I found it insightful myself. So I appreciate your time and you, yeah, opening up with probably some stuff. I don't know if you've spoken about this stuff before. I've not heard you speak about some of this stuff before. Um, have you spoken about this stuff before? Probably touched on things, and now I probably haven't elaborated on everything. One, probably because... I haven't really spoken about it, so probably way, my way of articulating it probably isn't the best because it's not really something that I talk about a lot. Two, probably an element of what we were talking about earlier, not fully being comfortable to discuss in depth completely. Um, one, probably maturity, but two, probably again, not knowing or being quite sure on how to articulate it and, and put it across. Well, I think you did pretty well. Do you know what I found really interesting today? Go on. Is that some of the questions I asked you in the first kind of 20 minutes that you couldn't answer. I then you come then, back and, then yeah. you then answer them yourself in the second half. So things are obviously clicking as you were talking. Yeah, it's not something that I really prepped for. I think that it was like... I didn't know what to expect, what questions you were going to ask. Well, you could have looked at them and... So it took a little while, I suppose, for me to reflect back on things and go, oh, actually. But again, it's not the sort of stuff that I talk about all the time or it's just probably not in the forefront of my mind. And at the moment, as I was saying earlier, I'm, I'm in a fantastic place. Um, so a lot of those things haven't crossed my mind for, for quite a while, I suppose. Well, listen, I appreciate your time and I appreciate your... Uh you opening up today. So, yes, uh, this has been Coogan Cassius here with Ben Davison for Raw the Fight Within. Stay tuned. We'll see you next week. Make sure you comment, like and subscribe and take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network.